0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... you're about to hear concerns itself with, if you'll permit a worn-out but once popular word, togetherness. My dictionary defines togetherness as the state of being or belonging together. Notice that it does not say being and belonging, and that's where I presume to take issue with the great second edition of Webster's New International. If togetherness is to mean what I feel it to mean, then it's not enough to be, it is necessary also to be long together.
2: My sister's going to have a baby. She's going to name it Rose, I think, after me. Your sister, did you say? My sister Lily, my twin. I don't even know if she's married. But where is she? Where well, does she live, this this twin sister of yours? In Kamaloka, you know, the together place. <laughs>
3: Mystery drama The Together Place was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Elspeth Eric and stars Norman Rose. It is sponsored in part by Contact, The 12 Hour Allergy Capsule, and XLax. I'll be back shortly with Act One. It's hard to be alone. It's good to be with someone. But I assure you, there is no greater hell on earth than to be both at the same time. To be alone with someone. Listen now as we bring you the together place. Ah, why did I never learn to work a typewriter?
1: But when did I ever have the time? I've never had an hour to spare from the practice of medicine. Not that I'd have spared it if I'd had it. The healing art has been my mistress, my love, my wife, since I can remember and before. But I'm well into the winter of my life now. Hardly any springs remain to me. And I want to get this history down on paper in some fashion or other before I expire. Let's see now how far have I got. Uh, My name is Ed Leahy, and I'm the only doctor to the small town of Corbett and its environs. The nearest hospital is 50 miles to the north, and all but impossible to get to. In consequence, I've pretty much had to fend for myself and do all manner of things. Taken all in all, I haven't done too badly. (laughs) Well, how does that sound, Francis? Egotistical, would you
2: say?
1: I would, definitely. This isn't meant to be the story of Eddie Leahy, M.D. No, no. This is the story of Rose Craven and her mother and their strange life on the outskirts of this town in the old house they call Alotta. And, of course, in a peripheral sort of way, the story of Mary Mahaffey. Ah, you heard her name, did you, Francis? You remember Mary Mahaffey, who raised you from a pup? Ah, of course you do, of course you do. Well... The whole thing started that day when I called Mary Mahaffey on the telephone. Hello? Uh, Mary, it's Ed Leahy.
2: Oh, doctor. And how's yourself?
1: I'm fine, fine. You?
2: Good enough for an old lady.
1: Uh, Mary, I'll tell you why I'm calling you. It's to ask a favor.
2: It's granted.
1: Don't be so generous till you hear what it is. Mary, I'm asking you to come out of retirement. Oh, do- no! wait, wait.
2: Oh, but I've done no nursing in a donkey's age, Doctor.
1: Well, there wouldn't be too much in the way of nursing. But
2: then why would you be needing me?
1: I can't trust these ladies to just anybody.
2: What ladies? How many ladies?
1: Only two. Rose Craven and her mother.
2: Oh, sure. They live in that big old house on Vardaman Road. The one they call, a um, Alatta... Uh,
1: What ails them? Well, the mother's had a thrombosis in her leg, and I've got her confined to her bed for a spell. And the daughter. Well, I, I don't know for certain what ails young Rose. Mary, will you drive out there with me tomorrow and see what you think? About taking on the job for a few weeks, anyway. Give me a chance to catch my breath.
2: For you, Dr. Leahy. Only for you.
1: Mary Mahaffey. What a woman i discovered her on one of my trips to the distant hospital where I'd had a post-operative patient. Mary was a registered nurse as well as a surgical one, and I'd been impressed not only with her skill but with her whole robust personality. And when she tired of the grind of hospital work, I persuaded her to move to Corbett, where she took some of the burden off my shoulders, practicing midwifery and such. We'd become a team, you might say. And when she retired, I missed her sorely. Well, that day when I drove up to her little house, there she was, Francis, standing on the porch. And so were you. Ah, there you are, Mary.
2: I ready for you, Mr. Francis told me a minute ago to be expecting
1: you. <laughs> he knew, did he?
2: Oh, but well, of course he knew. Up in, Francis. What? He's coming with us? Oh, I never go anywhere without Francis. Francis wakes me in the morning, and Francis kisses me goodnight. And in between, I consult with him on the great quest. uh
1: how such as?
2: Oh, living and dying.
1: <laughs> and what does Francis have to say about living and dying?
2: Not a thing. <laughs> but he's concerned that I should fret about them so. Hadn't you better be telling me something about uh, Miss Craven and her daughter, in case I decide to take the case?
1: Uh, yes, I'd better. Because they're not the ordinary run of patients you're used to,
2: you might say that they're eccentric. Well, no, I'm not a psychiatric nurse, Dr. Liddell. They don't
1: need a psychiatric nurse. They need a good, solid, down-to-earth woman with a good deal of common sense, and that is you. Well, well. I only said that they're eccentric, which many people think I am. (laughs) Well, now, uh, about the Craytons, mother and daughter. The mother is in her mid-forties. The daughter rose in her early-twenties. And they're gracious, attractive, both of them, real gentlewomen. The mother has been my patient most of her life, and I myself brought the daughter into this world.
2: And where's the father? Where's Mr. Crave? Oh,
1: heaven knows. The morning after Rose was born, he came into his wife's bedroom, kissed her on the cheek, told her what a pretty baby she'd given birth to, and left the house. That was the last she ever saw of him. A
2: sweet savior. Well, no wonder the lady's eccentric. She's lucky she's not that entirely.
1: Well, it took a few years. She shut herself up in a lotter. The place belonged to her. It had been her father's. And she confined herself to raising a child. I suppose for a while she thought Mr. Craven would return. But he never did.
2: And she never looked for him? Never went to the police or anything?
1: Pride, Mary. Stubborn pride. And the terrible wound of his disappearance. (laughs) But after a while she began stirring out of doors... She never mingled very much with the people of the town. She was gracious because that's her way, but she and Rose kept pretty much to themselves, and still do, in point of fact. Ah, here we are. Here it is. Here is Alotta.
2: Oh, where? I don't see. Well, anything. it's
1: off the road, the house is. Oh. Now, Mary, prepare yourself for a long, beautiful drive. It's a good quarter mile to the house itself. Ah, oh,
2: yes, it is lovely. Oh, no, what are those strange trees, Dr. Leahy? I've never seen the like hereabouts.
1: Cassia. And the shrubs are cassia, too. And there's a cassia herb. It's supposed to grow wherever it's hot. But so far as I know, Mrs. Craven's the only one who's tried it.
2: Cassia. That's a pretty name. Hmm.
1: Heap cassia, sandal buds, and stripes of laudanum and aloe balls.
2: hmm? (laughs) Pardon?
1: Robert Browning. From his poem... Paracelsus. Pardon me? Paracelsus. A, A traveling doctor of the 16th century. Browning wrote a poem about him. In his wanderings, he tried to predict the future by astrology. He evoked apparitions, and he practiced the different ways of alchemy and magic.
2: And you say this was a doctor?
1: Some called him a quack, for all I know he was. What I do know is that he left us a prescription for the treatment of ringworm. I've tried it, and it works pretty well. If you take the juice from the berries of the ringworm bush, mix it with lime juice...
2: Oh, no, I never heard tell of the ringworm bush.
1: Oh, you'll see it here. That's what a means. A is another name for the ringworm bush.
2: Well, well, now I've learned
1: something. You'll learn a good deal if you decide to take this case. Ah, there's Mrs. Craven. What is she doing out of bed? It's too soon. I... Mrs. Craven.
2: Oh, Dr. Lay, welcome.
1: Didn't I tell you bed rest is what you need?
2: I had to see the garden, Dr. Lay. You know how I am about my garden.
1: Yes, indeed I do. Now, let me introduce you to the lady I told you about. This is Mary Mahaffey.
2: Miss Mahaffey. I'm so glad to meet someone of whom the doctor speaks so highly. Well, it's my pleasure to meet you, Mrs. Craven.
1: Mrs. Craven, I want you back in bed before that blood clot in your leg takes a notion to go traveling about your body. We can finish our talking indoors. Just
2: a few minutes more in the sunshine, Dr. Leahy. No one's been tending my garden since I've been confined, and i have worried about it. Well, so. A minute, no more. Would you like to see my garden, Miss Mahathi? Would you be interested? Oh, indeed, I would. <laughs> Herbs are my passion, you know. Of course, I have all the usual ones. You wouldn't be interested in those. This is thyme, and that's basil. It's also known as mountain mint. Wild marjoram, often called oregano. Well, you probably have all of those yourself. Oh, i have a pot of chives on the kitchen window, Mrs. Craven, and that's all. Oh, dear, isn't that a pity? Well, now, this is whorehound. You've heard of that? Only the candy. Good for a sore throat, though. You don't see it uh, much in the stores these days. I know. Isn't it too bad? Now, this is fennel, and that's henbane. That's poisonous, you know. No, so, I didn't know. And mandrake. Mandrake furthers conception, you know. It does? Oh, mm-hmm. Silly, Lily. How oh, you did it, take Well, off. So they say. You're a silly girl, silly. silly oh, and that one, black byrony. Eh? Oh, you're this. teasing me. You know you are. You'd love to see uh, love That's the Rose, Carter. isn't it? Yes, uh, that's Rose. She must be in the gazebo with, uh, uh, with a friend, I fancy. I didn't call you Horace. I only said it was George. Oh, I don't know if you've ever seen fescue. I apologize. I, I apologize. Over here, Anne.
1: you see. Uh, Mrs. Yeah, Craven, have... Mrs. Craven. Yes? Hadn't we best be getting on into the house and having our little talk?
2: Oh, well, if you say so.
1: Yes, I think it would be best. Uh, and we'll be wanting to talk to Rose too, I think.
2: Well, all right.
1: Shall I fetch her? You think she's in the garden? No, gazebo? no,
2: I'll call her. She'll come for me. She won't for everybody, but she will for me. Rose, Rose, honey, she'll come for me. She always has. Rose, I think, it, is that Rose? Uh, yes, that's that's Rose. Yes, that's my baby, Rose, honey, honey. We've been waiting on you, honey. Come on over here. Meet somebody. Oh. Dr. Leahy, I didn't know you'd got here. Mama, why didn't you tell me that Dr. Leahy had arrived? Rose, honey, this is Miss Mary Mahaffey. Miss Mahaffey, this is my precious daughter, Rose. Miss Mahaffey, I'm so pleased to make your acquaintance. Oh, likewise, Miss Rose, I'm sure. Now, Rose, baby, you and I are going in the house and make some coffee for our guest. You'd like that, wouldn't you, Doctor? Well, what
1: I'd like is for you to get back into bed. (laughs)
2: Okay. I'll do just that, and Rose can make the coffee. Good. She'll put a pinch of senna into it. That gives it a mysterious flavor. Come on now, Rose, darling. Uh,
1: Rose, uh, wait a second, will you? Yes, doctor. What about your friend? My friend? The one you were talking to in the gazebo.
2: We heard you talking to someone. Your mother said probably it was a friend. Why would she say that? Maybe your friend would like to have some coffee, too. <laughs> that was my sister. Your sister? My sister Lily. My twin. Well, I'd better go put the coffee on. You all come on into the house whenever you've a mind to. Yes, you. we
1: will. Just a minute. Ah. Well, Miss Mahaffey.
2: Doctor? Oh. Doctor? Oh. Francis, what have we got ourselves into? Uh, does that
1: mean you'll go on the case, Mary?
2: Oh, someone has to, Doctor. Someone has to look after these poor females. And I guess it might as well be us.
3: I think it's not an uncommon sensation when, in the course of a seemingly ordinary conversation, a sentence is let drop that makes absolutely no sense at all to the listener. Because we are busy and preoccupied with ourselves, when we hear someone say something nonsensical, at least to us, we choose to ignore it, slough it off, or forget it. Often to be left with a nagging sensation that we have ignored, sloughed over, and forgotten something of enormous importance. I'll be back with Act Two shortly. Rose Craven so sweetly and confidently stated that she had been talking to her twin sister when Dr. Leahy and Mary Mahaffey knew quite well that no such sister existed, they did not ignore the words, nor did they slough over them, nor did they nod politely and forget them. Instead, they treated them with the utmost gravity and attention. And as a result, Miss Mahaffey moved into the Craven house along with her friend and companion, the dog, Francis.
1: And the next day, Mary Mahaffey
3: moved in with Mrs.
1: Craven and her daughter Rose, as did the dog, Francis. <laughs> you remember that, do you, Francis? And do you remember when you and Mary Mahaffey came here to my office to report on how things were going?
2: Uh, the mother is making progress. Uh, she still wears the bandage when she gets out of bed, well, she's but... She's not out of bed too much, is she? Only to check on her precious garden of herbs. I can't keep her away from there. Mm.
1: Tell me about the daughter.
2: I can't tell you much, Doctor. Francis could tell you more about Rose than I can.
1: Francis doesn't choose to take me into his confidence.
2: Oh, that's a pity. He spends the whole day now with young Rose Craven. And
1: you permit that?
2: Oh, she needs him. He always returns to me at bedtime and stays with me till morning and then goes back to Rose. And it seems to make her happy, sometimes very happy. And I don't like to deprive her.
1: A joy derived from common things, a stake in life.
2: Well, yes, something like that. Yes,
1: Browning wrote that in his poem on Paracelsus.
2: (laughs) You have uh, Paracelsus on the brain, Doctor. You've spoken of him before. Well, it's not
1: because I know a great deal about the man. I know very little. But he's the one who said, imagination is the star in man. And I've never forgotten that. Because I believe it. Uh, but, Mary, you were going to tell me about Rose and her supposed twin sister. Uh, Lily, wasn't that her name? But well, what about Lily?
2: Oh, she mentions her very casually every now and then. Says Lily didn't finish her lunch or Lily is thirsty or things like that. I pretend I haven't heard anything out of the way. Or sometimes anything at all. I I'm still making her acquaintance, you might say. I have to feel my way to her friendship.
1: And if it can be done, you'll do it, Mary.
2: Well, I'll try, Doctor. But I don't know that young Rose will ever choose to be real friends with anyone. Anyone, that is, but Lily.
1: When Mary said that, I began to be seriously concerned about young Rose... And soon after, it was time for my bi-monthly visit to her mother, whose thrombosis showed every sign of having dissolved. So I drove in the old jalopy out to Allotta.
2: Mrs. Craven is in her herb garden, Doctor.
1: Where else would she be?
2: Where indeed. It's really the daughter I came to see. But we'll stop off for a minute and have a word with the mother, else we'll hurt her feelings. Yes, by all means. Uh, Mrs. Craven. The doctor's here, Mrs. Craven. So I see, so I see. Welcome to Allotta, Dr. Leahy.
1: Well, your garden is thriving.
2: Mm, I do wish I had a cutting from the heart-tongue fern.
1: I don't believe I've ever heard of that.
2: Well, that grows in Australia, but our government is so strict about importing such things. There's cardamom that's East Indian and vitamine from Crete. But you already have so many herbs, Mrs. Craven. Mm, but I want my garden to be complete.
1: Yes. <laughs> Mrs. Craven, could we see your daughter? Now that you're up and about, I think I should look in on her.
2: Yes, I fancy she's in the gazebo. Ah, Then
1: we'll go and see her, if you'll excuse us.
2: If you can think of a way that I could get some didomy for my garden... I'll let you know.
1: Ah, Mrs. Craven and her herbs.
2: Would there be any way of getting those other herbs into the United States, Dr. Lay? Well,
1: I have no idea. But let her hope there's a way.
2: Ah, there's our old
1: looks from here that she's lost a few pounds, and she looks unhappy.
2: That was my reason for wanting you to see her, Doctor. Miss Rose. Rose, my girl. And Dr. Leahy's here, Rose. Oh, Dr. Leahy. And how are you, sir? I've
1: no idea. I'm here to find out how you are.
2: Oh, I'm well enough, Doctor.
1: What's well enough for you may not be well enough for me. Hmm. You're thinner, Rose, since the last time I saw you. I know. Have you been eating well?
2: She eats uh, sufficiently.
1: Well, then why are you losing weight, Rose?
2: I don't know. It's very strange. Because my sister...
1: Yes, your sister. What about your sister?
2: She's going to have a baby.
1: Oh, she is.
2: She's going to name it Rose, I think. After me.
1: That's your sister, Lily. is that right?
2: My twin. Dr. Leahy? Yes, my dear. Am I going to have a baby?
1: Ooh, well, I, I don't know. Do you think that you are?
2: If Lily is going to have a baby,
1: well, it doesn't follow that you are.
2: But everything that happens to Lily always happens to me. Oh,
1: you know, I didn't know that.
2: Of course. When she has a headache, I have a headache. When she has a dream, I have a dream. Uh-huh.
1: The same dream?
2: Of course. Because she's my
1: twin. I don't rightly remember what was said by any one of us after Rose said that. I didn't want to contradict the young woman. It's been my experience that the very worst thing you can do when a person reveals an obsession is to tell that person he's mistaken. It doesn't alter the obsession in the slightest. All it does is destroy the person's trust in yourself. After I had somehow terminated my visit, Mary Mahaffey walked with me to my automobile.
2: What in the world ails the girl, Doctor? Mary, I'm not a psychiatrist. Is it schizophrenia, Doctor? I mean, does the girl have two selves? Herself and Lily?
1: Oh, she's not psychotic so far as I can tell. Schizoid, perhaps, but not mad.
2: Uh, What's to be done?
1: Mary, stay close to her. Let me know if she loses more weight. Let me know if the obsession grows more acute. And I'll come right out. And tell Francis to keep an eye on her, too. A month went by. There was no reason to go out to a lotter. Mrs. Craven's condition continued to improve. And to keep an eye on young Rose, there was Mary Mahaffey. And then one day... This is Dr. Leahy.
2: Mary Mahaffey, doctor. Oh, yes, Mary. Oh, I've hesitated to call you.
1: Mary, what's the trouble?
2: I don't rightly know, doctor, but... Is
1: it Mrs. Craven?
2: Oh, no, no, it's the young girl. It's Rose. She's not ill. It, it, it's not that, but she... She hasn't left her room for three days.
1: Three days? Oh, does she complain of anything?
2: No, doctor, no pains, no nausea, nothing. But there's something wrong, I'm convinced... Francis hasn't left her side the whole time. And it's all I can do to get him to return to me at bedtime. Well,
1: Mary, I'm booked up for the entire day, till supper time and perhaps beyond, but uh, I'll drive out there in the evening as early as I can get there. It was growing dark when I reached a lot of that evening. The front door was unlocked, and I went inside without announcing my presence and upstairs to young Rose's bedroom. I heard voices as I mounted the stairs.
2: My precious, my baby. Rose, don't you feel like talking to her? Oh, that must be Dr. Lady. I thought it was you. Oh, well, now,
1: what is this beautiful young woman doing lying in her bed when she should be up and doing?
2: Three days, doctor.
1: Is she eating well?
2: Oh, well enough, everything considered. It's the wrong food. What's that? What did you say, Rose? She complained some about the food. I don't know what they eat in their world, but it's not what we eat here. It's very peculiar. I I don't understand it. Rose, my
1: precious... Uh, Rose, when you say you don't know what they eat there, who are they? What do you mean by there?
2: Do you mean the spirit world? No, no, not the spirit world. Well, then what? It's uh, the one next to this one, uh, the aerial world. And
1: the, the beings in the aerial world, is that where our spirits go when they've left this world, the material world?
2: Not our spirits, our souls. They live there for, for a while.
1: How long, Rose, do they live there?
2: Do they live forever? Are they immortal? Oh, no, no, no. They're like us. Just exactly like us. But they can't drown or or burn up in fires, and they can't be locked up in jails either. But they can die. they can die.
1: Quiet, Francis, quiet. Rose, is your sister one of these souls, your sister Lily? Oh,
2: please, Doctor.
1: Are Doctor... you afraid Lily is going to die, Rose? But tell me, are you afraid Lily is going to die?
2: Lily is very sick. Very, very sick. I see. I think Lily is going to die. Well,
1: now, we must see what we can do so that Lily doesn't die, mustn't we?
2: I don't think she wants to live any longer.
1: Tell me one more thing, Rose, if you will, so that I'll know better how to help Lily. Rose... Where is Lily? Maybe I can go to see her and find out what's wrong with her.
2: You can't go to see her.
1: Well, why not? Rose, where is she? What is this place where Lily lives?
2: She lives in... Kamaloka. What did she say?
1: Rose, tell me again. What is this place where Lily lives?
2: Kamaloka.
1: Mrs. Craven, I think we should step outside.
2: All right, Doctor. I'll stay here, Doctor. All right, Mary. And so will Franz. Oh, the dog won't move. He won't leave her.
1: Well, let him stay. He probably knows best. Dogs usually do.
2: What are we going to do? Doctor, is my daughter losing her mind?
1: Mrs. Craven, have you ever read the works of Paracelsus, the hermetical and alchemical writings of Paracelsus?
2: Many, many years ago. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: As Rose read them?
2: Well, uh, I suppose she might have. Uh, they're still in the bookshelves, as far as I know. Why do you ask, Doctor?
1: Because what she is saying is very like what that Swiss doctor wrote 500 years ago. That there is a soul place. A world adjoining ours, but not touching. Contiguous, but not joined. And that there are beings that live in this realm of the soul. Beings like us, but not like us. As their world is like ours, but not like ours. Having its own... Firmament, its own atmosphere, its own conditions of existence, its own habitation. Yes, but why would Rose... She says the name of this place is Kama Loka. Now, do you know what Kama Loka means? It means the together place.
2: The together place?
1: Yes. It's a beautiful concept, don't you think? A place where we can be together with those we love. Together with them as we were in life.
2: But Rose has no one What's that? Dog?
1: Dog? Yes, Mary
2: She's dead
3: Rose is dead What a beautiful name, Kamaloka I don't know its derivation Loka surely comes from the Latin word for place and Kama, well, my dictionary tells me that Kama in Sanskrit means love. And the Hindu god of love is named Kama. So it seems quite pleasing and appropriate that Kama Loka should designate the together place. I'll be back with Act Three shortly. Craven is dead. Rose Craven dreamed of a twin sister she never had, named Lily. Rose Craven dreamed of a world she'd never seen, where Lily lived, called Kamaloka, the together place. Rose Craven dreamed that her sister Lily was gravely ill in Kamaloka, and on the verge of death and before her mother, her nurse, or her doctor could take steps to prevent it, Rose Craven died. Poor Rose Craven
1: was put to rest in our little country churchyard. The mourners were few because so few had known her. I was there, so was Mary Mahaffey, and so was Frances. It was a sad day, was it not, Frances? By this time, Mrs. Craven was out of danger from her thrombosis. There was no need for Mary to stay on at her and she made plans to move back to her own small house, where you and she, Francis, would take up your old life. But then, before the move could be made, she called me.
2: It's Mary Mahaffey, Dr. Lake.
1: Yes, Mary.
2: Doctor, I've decided to stay on here for a bit.
1: Oh? Well, there's no need, Mary. Mrs. Craven is able to fend for herself.
2: No, she's not, Doctor.
1: Well, why not? I saw her just last week.
2: She's taken to her bed. And I can't arouse
1: her. Well, there's got to be a period of mourning. It's painful, but it's got to be gone through before life can start up again. It's a sickly state, to be sure, but unavoidable.
2: It's not just mourning, Doctor. She's begun to talk about... about, you know, that place. The place her daughter spoke about.
1: Kamaloka.
2: She has visions of it. And she believes her visions.
1: We can't take her visions away from her. Even if we could, it might kill her.
2: She'll die if she's left the way she is. Well, well, what can we do? I intend to stay on for a while. I don't care if she wants me here or not. She needn't pay me. I don't care about the money.
1: What do you expect of me, Mary?
2: Pay her a visit, Doctor. I want you to see what I see, so that you can back me up in whatever I do.
1: Well, this evening, would that be all right?
2: Anytime. Mrs. Craven doesn't stir from her bedroom. And I'm always
1: nearby. This evening, then. Goodbye, Mary.
2: It's my firm conviction, Doctor, that if something's not done, we can lose the mother as we did the daughter. Come inside. It is not my
1: habit to concern myself with the metaphysical vaporings of my patients, Mary. I confine
2: myself to their bodies. Doctor... You very well know that body and soul intermingle. You're not so old-fashioned as to deny that. Her room's at the head of the stairs. I know
1: very well where her room is.
2: Come, Francis. Francis is not
1: keeping watch by her bedside, I see, as he did with the daughter.
2: No, and I take that for a good sign. If he did, I'd think nothing could save her. Mm. You say she talks of Kamaloka.
1: She never heard the word till her daughter spoke it.
2: I had to tell her what it meant. But now, to her, it's a dwelling place for souls. At least I think that's what she's trying to convey to me. Here's her room. Let's go right in. Oh, the doctor's here, Mrs. Craven. You needn't have come, doctor.
1: Well, when Mary Mahaffy summons me, Mrs. Craven, I obey. Oh,
2: Mary, she fusses
1: so. Nevertheless, I'm alarmed in a mild sort of way... When a patient of mine lies in bed, when I know perfectly well she's able to be up and stirring,
2: I have no interest, Doctor, in being up and stirring. Mm.
1: Then what do you have an interest in, Mrs. Craven?
2: Oh, what I've always had an interest in, my daughter.
1: Mrs. Craven, Rose is dead. My
2: daughter's happiness, my daughter's well-being, my daughter's loneliness.
1: Loneliness, did you say?
2: She went to Kamaloka to be with her sister, Doctor. A sister she only fancies. One she never had. But think, doctor, how she must feel to be alone. Alone in the together place.
1: Mrs. Craven, are you telling me that you want to join your daughter in Kamaloka? What
2: else can I do?
1: There must be something. Nothing. Perhaps there is something I can do. Prescribe a little tonic. I
2: won't take it.
1: Confounded woman, why not?
2: You know perfectly well I never take any sort of medicine. Unless I've distilled it myself from my owner. Mrs. Craven, I am losing patience. I think you've said enough, Doctor. Thank you very much for coming. Don't bother to
1: call me again, Mary. If my advice is not followed, I am not responsible.
2: It will be all right, Dr. Leahy. Never fear.
1: I left. I was up against something that frightened me. Something I couldn't face up to. And I felt guilty for my own cowardice. So... Two weeks later, I drove out to a without telling Mary or Mrs. Craven I was coming. I entered the house and went upstairs. I heard their voices even before I reached the top. And I admitted, Francis, I stopped and listened. And what I heard astounded me.
2: The activities of the body are chemical, Mrs. Craven. Our health depends on the proper chemical composition of our organs and fluids. The object of chemistry is to prepare medicine. Where on earth did you learn all this, Mary? I've been reading. But reading what? It's called iatrochemistry Oh, what is it, Mary? What is it? The link between chemistry and medicine. It's terribly important, Mrs. Craven. But where did you learn all this? From Paracelsus. Uh, He was a Swiss doctor. I know who he was. And an alchemist. But do you know what he said, Mrs. Craven? He said, don't make gold, make medicines. Now, what do you think of that, Mrs. (laughs) Craven? Do you know his prescription for rumblings in the stomach? No. Uh, Made from ground corals, alum come in... Beans and cinders. Oh, Mary. Uh, it's worth trying, don't you think? Though I don't know the proportions. And I don't know how many people these days are troubled with rumbling. I you once know. gave Dr. Lay a prescription for the treatment of ringworms. Yes, he told me about it. And he thinks it's good. And well, I seem to remember a cure for wart. And Mrs. Craven, mm-hmm. uh, do, do you remember that cutting you wanted uh, from Australia, I think it was? Hot tongue, yes. Yes. Now, I have a friend in Australia, a nurse. We were in t- training together. And I thought that maybe if I roped... Oh, her, Mary. Would you? Would you? I could and I would. Oh. But in the meantime, Mrs. Craven, what about your garden here? Oh. I had to look at it for myself this morning. And I hate to tell you, but it's in a very sorry state. Oh, there are weeds sprouting up. The ground seems, well, it seems hard and dry. Now, of course... I'm no judge. Uh, but it seems to me that... Uh, did you think you're well enough to dress and, and just come downstairs and, and, and take a little look at it? Oh, I, I think I could. Good. I'll set your garden things. Uh, you know what Paracelsus said, Mrs. Craven. We must have faith, cheerful courage, and hope.
1: I'd heard enough. I left. Everything I'd hoped for had been accomplished by the incomparable Mary Mahaffey. Yes, Francis, the one and only Mary Mahaffey. She moved back to her own little home, Francis, and you along with it. And life in our town went on as before. But in a little
2: while, Mary Mahaffey sent for me. No trouble, Doctor Lay. No. I just wanted to see you once more. Once more, indeed.
1: You'll be seeing me dozens and dozens of times, Mary.
2: Oh, no, Doctor, no. It's almost the end for me. Whatever are you talking about? I'm talking about death, my dear Dr. Leahy. Now, Mary. Death is nothing but the end of the day's work. The taking away of man's air. The evanescence of his balsam. The extinction of his natural light and the entire separation of the three substances, body, soul, and spirit, and the return to the mother's womb.
1: Mary Mahathi, wherever did you learn to speak poetry? Oh, that's
2: Paracelsus, Doctor. As I read him through from cover to cover when I was staying with Mrs. Craven. You saved her, Mary.
1: You and Paracelsus together.
2: I firmly believe we did, Doctor. With some help from on high.
1: Did you know that she's opening a store for herbal remedies in town? It'll be a good thing, I believe, for there are thousands of people who won't take any medicine unless it's derived from herbs.
2: But I think often how I failed the doctor.
1: Well, I don't know that you could have done anything.
2: It's well nigh impossible to correct an hallucination. Her hallucination about her twin sister became an obsession. Well...
1: Mary, it wasn't an hallucination. Not entirely.
2: What's that you say? Rose
1: did have a sister. A sister who was her twin. Her identical twin.
2: Well, I didn't know that. No
1: one knew it. No one but myself. Her mother? I never told her. She didn't know that she was carrying twins, for the x-rays never showed it. Rose was born first, and then there was another child, sickly deformed, trembling violently. She only lived an hour, but the poor little thing had lain next to her sister for nine months, Mary. Now, it is my firm belief that Rose carried the memory with her throughout her short life and longed to return to that companion of the womb in the place called Kama Loka, the together place. happy one more time. She was feeble, and it was hard for her to talk. But I knew she had something on her mind.
2: You must write down the case history of Rose Craven, Doctor. Yes, I've been thinking about it. Oh, yes, you, you must. Such a strange story. It must be told. Oh, you're tired, Mary. I'd best leave you. No, one more thing. Will you tell Mrs. Craven the story of her daughter? Her two daughters, I should say. Her...
1: her twins. Well, I'm undecided. Would
3: it be kind or cruel? Oh, I... I've thought, and I've thought, Doctor. I just don't know. Mary, you're very tired.
1: I mustn't let you talk anymore. Tell
2: the story, Doctor. I
1: will. I promise you.
2: Write it. Let it all down as it just happened. Okay.
1: Mary. Mary Mahaffey was dead. And you, Francis, you felt the approach of that moment of oblivion before I did, seconds before it arrived. And the next day, Francis, I came to the house and led you away, and brought you here. And you've sat by me, and with your own patience... summoned up mine enough to write this history. Well, it's finished now. And I must pick up the pages and stow them away. For Mrs. Craven is coming by to give me some juniper berries.
2: Ah, what a stack of papers. What a... what a pile of work. What... what a history.
1: Oh, is it possible? Is
2: it... Oh. Oh. Dr. lady, it's Mrs. Craven.
3: For since the earth-born man comes from the earth, the earth, too, will be his mother, into which he must return and therein lose his earth-born flesh, so that at the last day... He may be regenerated in a new, a heavenly, and purified flesh, as Christ said to Nicodemus when he came to him by night. Whose words are those? Why, they are the words of Paracelsus, of course. I'll be back shortly. I'm not absolutely positive that juices from the ringworm bush mixed with the juice of a lime will cure ringworm, or that corals, alum, cumin, beans, and cinders all mixed together will stop rumblings of the stomach. But I am perfectly sure that Paracelsus was right when he wrote, Man must have faith, cheerful courage, and hope. Our cast included Norman Rose, Mary Jane Higbee, Marion Seldes, and Rosemary Rice. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Now a preview of our next tale. I was conscious of my heart beating hard, not from effort, but from the eerie house. I struck a match and lit the candlestick and started upstairs. Hello up there! Are you all right? Oh, Liza, Where are you? Answer me! I'm coming up. The woman screamed. I froze. I knew something awful had happened. I took the stairs two at a time, the candle flickering in front of me. There were several closed doors in the hallway. I tried the one nearest the street. I opened it. The room was lived in. I went toward a bed. And then... Murdered. Stabbed through the heart. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Contact, the 12-hour cold capsule... And Buick Motor Division. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.